Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. The last couple of weeks, we've kind of done a little bit of a series, and I didn't actually mean to do a series. I've just been kind of talking about what I'm walking through and what I'm working through and, and what I'm reading. But the last, like, two weeks ago, we kind of just talked about how amazing it is that God, uh, the God of the universe, lives in us, that he actually wants to have a relationship with us, that he actually wants to talk with us. Um, I was talking with the volunteers up the hall at the beginning of the first service for the kids' ministry, and I, I just kind of said to them, like, if you look outside... I know not everybody is joyful that the snow is here, but I saw this little Facebook thing and it said, you know, you can be joyful with the snow or not, but you're still going to have the snow. And so you can might as well just be joyful with it. And so it's going to force me to get outside and play in the snow with my kids more. Um, but do you realize, from my understanding, every snowflake is different? I think you missed that. Do you realize that every snowflake is different. Let that blow your mind. Like, as you shovel, imagine in that shovel, one shovel, how many snowflakes there are, and they are all different. And the God that creates that wants a relationship with you. The God who does that lives in you. I don't know about you, but if there's not a part of that, I challenge the first service, I'm going to challenge you too. If there's not a part of that, when we talk about the living God wanting to be in you, wanting a relationship with you, if there's not a part of that statement that still makes you go, oh my goodness. If it doesn't amaze you, if if it doesn't almost take your breath away, then I would challenge you, honestly challenge you this week to pray and fast and ask God, why it doesn't. Because it should affect you. It should be a statement that makes you go, oh my goodness, humbled, in awe, in amazement, that this God of the universe loves me so much that he wants a relationship with me. He wants to talk to me. The Bible tells me that he wants to talk to me without ceasing, because the Bible says pray without ceasing. And ceasing is a conversation with God. And so you have to understand, if it, doesn't, if it doesn't blow your mind, if it's like, how many people will see, like, some guys will see a car and be like, whoa! If, if a car does that, but the statement that the living God wants a relationship with you doesn't, dudes, you better pray and fast this week. And ask God, what is it that a car will draw an awe out of me more than God? And then we ask ourselves, God, why, why don't I see you move the way you used to? Well, because you'll take a bite of a Baconator and be more impressed than you will with what I do in your life. Like, he created the Baconator. I'm not saying it's healthy, but it's amazing. <laughs> actually, because of the health of it, maybe he didn't actually create That's a whole different now I'm distracted. All right. 
Yes, the awe of him. See, now I'm just way off. We got talking about bacon. Last week, we talked about the early church. And when you think about the early church, if you, yeah, I hope you took this week a little bit, just read through the book of Acts, and maybe not all of it, but just certain parts of it. And I challenge you, like, if you hear us talking about something, don't bank on the fact that I got it right. Go and read it. Go and read it, because I am human. I make mistakes. Trust me, just ask my kids, ask my wife. Don't ask her. <laughs> but, like, realize we make mistakes. But here's, here's the crazy thing. If you read the book of Acts, I hope there's a stirring in you again of like, God, what is missing? What is missing? Because as I read through the book of Acts and I read about the early church, can I tell you something? We have great things happening here at Bethel, but we're missing a lot. And this is, is kind of what I'm journeying through, this hunger for God. There's more, there's more. And so I'm wrestling through it. And then this week, I was reading, I was talking with some people, and, and this stirred in my heart that, God, there's more, and I believe that you want us to experience more, and you want us to live out our lives for you, and we're supposed to share the gospel with other people. But I want to talk to you today about a verse that I believe there's a part of this verse that actually hinders us from sharing the gospel, and it hinders us from going deeper with the Lord. And I want to read this verse to you. It's in Matthew 22. It starts at verse 36, and somebody comes to Jesus and said, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, on, those, on these two commandments hang all the laws of the prophet. We are supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves. This is what we're supposed to do. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And as you read through this verse, there's so many parts of this verse. There's so many aspects to this verse that I think there's certain sentences and certain lines that we're okay with. And so I just want to kind of walk through some of them real fast. One of the first things it says, it says, love your God. I think most of us love God. Now, I do think, as we prayed earlier, that there might be stuff that kind of gets in the way once in a while, but I think deep down, truly, most of us in this room, our passion, our desire is to put God first and love God. Second thing, all your heart. Love God with all your heart. With all of our heart, with all of our emotions, trying to keep our emotions in check and keeping them fixed on God and loving him. I believe most of us, we can get to all of our heart where we're working on it. There might be, like I said, something creep in once in a while, but majority of the time it's like all of my heart, God, all of your soul, my will, my desires, my dreams, everything in line with God, wanting to be close to him, wanting to walk with him. All of my mind, all of my thought life, thinking on good things and godly things, trying to think positively, trying to bring a different look to things from a godly perspective. Love your neighbors. I think most of you love your neighbors. I'm sure that you have some tensions and struggles once in a while, but I think deep down you know, I am supposed to love my neighbor. But then there's this part that I think is the thing that stops us. Love yourself. Do you realize you're supposed to love your neighbor as you love yourself? And I think there's a lot of us that we actually have a hard time loving ourselves. We have a difficulty loving me, 
loving myself. And see, if you have grown up in the church, if you have grown up in the church your whole life, I believe we've kind of done a disservice. I'm going to tread lightly, but understand my heart. As we have taught so much on pride, we have found it hard to love ourselves. We have found it hard to believe in ourselves, to have faith in ourselves. See, we've learned not to think highly about ourselves to make sure that we're not prideful. But have we done it so far that we can't actually think highly of ourselves? Miles was playing hockey a couple weeks ago, and he's, he's doing really well this year. His first two games he scored, he scored three goals in the first game and five in the second game. And I remember after the second game, he came out and he was like, Dad, I'm like one of the best players, or he didn't say one. He's like, Dad, I'm like the best player on our team. And I immediately was like, no, no, Miles, there's better players. And then I actually had to think to myself for a minute and go, no, actually, I think in that game you were. And I realized, did I just tell my son that his best wasn't good enough? I was so worried about him being prideful that I actually told him he wasn't good enough. Now, everybody in the room, you understand, well, Chad, that's not what you said, and I get it. But is that what he heard? Did he hear me say that out of seven goals that his team scored, he scored five, but it wasn't good enough? That wouldn't be my heart. You understand that as we talk through this for a minute. But like, how many times in our lives have we told somebody, oh, no, there's somebody better? And I understand. There are. I understand there's things like that. But have we concerned ourselves so much with pride that we've actually lost our self-worth and believing that we're worthy? Understand, I realize, without Jesus, we're not worthy of salvation. But because of him in his life, we are. It's because of him that Jesus, like because of Jesus, that God loves us. And so we push so far. Think about it. We live in one of the times in our lives where people suffer from anxiety and depression. We have so many workaholics. People work so much. Are we this way because we don't believe enough in ourselves? Do we always strive for perfection? Do we strive for something greater? Do we strive for something bigger? Not because it's actually a work ethic in us, because we actually believe our best is never good enough. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're like, Chad, I have a hard time loving myself. I would get dressed, and ladies, you might, when younger or now, you might get all dressed up as best you can for a Sunday morning and come out and be like, Mom, look how beautiful I am. Well, no, no, sweetheart. What if, she, if she's beautiful, she's beautiful. I think sometimes we've done a disservice on checking our pride that we've hurt ourselves. Now, I understand some of you are probably there, but Chad, there's, there is pride. I get that. I understand that. But we've taught it so long. Have we actually discouraged people from understanding that they're lovely, they are worth loving, that there's a worth inside of them? Do you understand this morning that you are lovable? Do you understand this morning that, ladies, you are beautiful? Men, you are handsome? Men, you are good enough. You can lead. Ladies, if you're a mother in the room, you are a great mom. For fathers in the room, you're a great dad. 
Now, I understand there's areas in our lives that we need to work on and we need to improve on. And if, there, if we don't have all the gifts of the Spirit, then we need to work on our lives to get better at that. I get it. But how many people know that if you concentrate enough on the negative, you'll never hear the positive? Trust me, I make sure, I, I try to watch my kids and make sure they don't get prideful, but I'm realizing they're going to have enough critics in their lives, they probably need some cheerleaders. I forget which one it was. Is There's so many, Robinson or Dobson, I don't know, it was one of those dudes. I don't remember. I don't remember. But they said, I'm paraphrasing, but they said, don't criticize your kid, cheer them on, they're going to have enough critics in their lives. I don't know about you, but some of the worst critics in my life just are right in here. Right in here. And you want to know what it is? It's echoes of voices that have spoken into my life and not in a healthy way. And I hear them all the time. And I struggle with them all the time. But God created us. He loves us. See, he loves us so much that he says, love your neighbors as you love yourself. And it's throughout scripture. This isn't one part where Jesus says this. In Matthew 7, 12, it says, therefore... Whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. This is the law. This is, for this is the law and the prophets. The golden rule. We told our kids this. Do unto others as you have them do unto you. Sometimes we do greater things for others and we don't believe we deserve anything in return. Do you know that sometimes we rob other people of their blessing because they actually want to bless us? Matthew 19, verse 18 says, Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Do you know this statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, is found in all of the Gospels? Do you realize if you read all the Gospels, they don't describe every situation the same? They'll tell, some will give more detail, some will give less. Some might not even have it, but another one will. But all of them have recorded this. All of them say, you shall love your neighbors yourself. Do you believe that maybe if they've all written it down, if they've all recorded it, Jesus said it more than what we actually have recorded? Do you think they learned that this is something that is key in our lives? I don't know about you, but if I went and talked to a family and they kept telling me like, oh, this is what we do, and another child was like, this is what we do, and another child was like, this is what we do, and another child was, this is what we do, I would know that the parents have repeated this and repeated this and repeated this and repeated this, so the kids just go, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is what Jesus is teaching us. The disciples knew it so much that Paul wrote it down, because he learned from the disciples. He writes down in Galatians 5.14, for all the law was fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. James, in chapter 2, verse 8, he says, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Are we loving our neighbors? Are we loving ourselves? Old Testament. 
Old Testament teaches, Leviticus 19, 18 says, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. If you don't get along with your neighbor, we'll take a different avenue for a minute. If you don't get along with your neighbor, you're going against Scripture. You're going against what the Bible has told you to do. Yeah, but Chad, you don't know what they do. You don't know what their dog does on my lawn. It's okay. They actually sell the same bags at the dollar store. Spend a buck or two and save your relationship with your neighbor. We're supposed to love our neighbors. We're supposed to love ourselves. My heart's desire is that you leave here this morning understanding that you are worthy to love. And because of that love, as the song we sang earlier, lead us to those to love. Lead us around those, around us. Lead us to the people around us. Because those people around you are here in your life for you to love them. Do you realize that one of the reasons that God loves us so much is he loves us and he created us. He created you. Every part of you he created. He designed you. Genesis 1 says this in verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. This goes back a couple weeks ago in my mind to understand the magnitude of God wanting to have a relationship with us. Do you understand that we've read this scripture, you know, many of you in this room know the creation story. But how often do we read over this and says, let us make men in our own image according to our likeness. He created you like him. Do you ever wonder if you ever stood in front of the mirror and said, oh, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this. Do you ever realize you're criticizing God? Now, don't get me wrong. God says, be healthy. He said, you know, there's things in our physical body we need to look after. But he never said to criticize. He said to love, to love ourselves, to love ourselves. Do you love yourself? Have you ever considered the times that you have sat and criticized who you are? That God loves you. He created you. I don't know about you, but it shifts my mind. My mind. It shifts the way I think. See, I've always been a competitive person. I don't like to lose. I don't mind getting beat, but I don't like to lose. And so the difference for me is if you beat me, you're better than me. If I lose, I've made mistakes. That's my thought process. So I don't like to lose. I don't mind getting beat. But there's a competitiveness in me. And everybody told me, Chad, you're way too competitive. Just chill out. And so I started asking God what's going on. And I'll be honest, here's what I feel. Yes, in sports, I've chilled out. But the competitiveness in me, this drive not to lose, I understand that he did it so I don't like to lose to the enemy. When the enemy tries to steal something from me or steal something from people I know, I get mad. And there is a thing about righteous anger. And I want you to know there's a side of me that when I get mad, when the enemy is fighting me and he's doing something stupid and I don't like it, I pray differently. 
I behave differently. There's an anger that comes out of me, and a righteous anger. When I say that, understand, the Bible says, be angry, but don't sin. I'm angry, but I'm righteously angry, and I'm praying aggressively against the enemy because he is a punk, and I want to beat him. There's a part in your life, I think you guys missed a little bit here. There's a part in your life that he is being a punk to you. And if there was a physical human being in front of you, you would not allow yourself to be treated that way. To a point where you would probably be angry in a non-biblical way and have to repent for sins. But in the spiritual, when we talk about getting angry, and getting righteously angry, and getting mad at the enemy, and praying aggressively, and telling him to get lost, and telling him to go to hell, that we get quiet. And sometimes he's allowed to do what he wants in your life because you won't take the authority you have. Because he created us in his image, because he created us with his likeness, we have authority to take power over the enemy. Some of you are missing this this morning. And this is for somebody in the room. In the nicest way I can say it, you need to wake up for a minute and hear this. The enemy has you glazed over going, oh yeah, yeah, we have authority. No, he's messing with your life right at this moment. And he's distracting you from what I'm saying because he wants to continue doing it and you're missing it. You're missing it this morning. That you are loved so much by your father that he is bigger than any other daddy in the playground and he can kick his butt. And some of you right now are getting beat up and you're getting beat up and you're getting beat up and you are seeing flesh when the Bible tells us our battle is not against flesh, it's against powers of darkness. You're being distracted and you need to forgive people because it's actually not them. It's the enemy working through them, and he's distracting you. You need to take authority in the spiritual realm and break things off in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I just pray for whatever's happening in the room right now. And Father, I come against the enemy in the name of Jesus Christ. And I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus and I cast you out of this room in the name of Jesus Christ. That only you, Holy Spirit, are welcome in this room. And no other spirits in the name of Jesus. And I declare over situations in this room right now, freedom in the name of Jesus. I release love in the name of Jesus. And I release your authority to step into situations and break them right now in the name of Jesus. Relationships will be restored today because there's a breakening happening in the name of Jesus Christ. Psalms 139, verse 13 says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Does your soul know very well that marvelous are you? When was the last time you stood in front of the mirror and went, marvelous? 
marvelous. Carlo? Yes, Maddie, go on there again. Mustache? Marvelous. Marvelous. Beautifully, fearfully, wonderfully made. That's who you are. Ladies, men, you should honestly put this verse on top of your mirror. And when you look in the mirror, you should read it to yourself. Beautifully, wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. It's not to be prideful, but it's to be confident that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Anything in you that you think, oh, this is a negative thing, right now you're using it for a negative, but you get close to God and you'll see the positive of it. Because even good things, you have a great work ethic, that's wonderful, but you could get into being a workaholic. You're not a workaholic, you got to be careful, you could be lazy, right? Like there's both sides of it. I just put my family first, so much so that we don't work. No, no, there's a balance to both sides, right? So even a weakness can be a strength, a strength can be a weakness if it's too far. But you are beautifully and wonderfully made. Jeremiah 1, 5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Sean Boltz, in one of his books, I, uh, my Secrets, I believe, Secrets, thank you, God's Secrets, that's it. He tells this story of when he operates in the prophetic and words of knowledge, and uh, he was in Australia with Bill Johnson, and he went to get up before Bill spoke, and he was just going to do some uh, words of knowledge and prophecy and speak over people's lives. And he says he got up and he called out. And one of his things he, do, he does usually is he, God gives him names and dates or names and like an address and stuff. And what it does, it identifies with people in the room and it makes them go like, okay, you actually hear from God. And then he speaks over their lives. Well, he did this with five different names and dates and they all fell to the floor. Nothing happened in the room. And he said he just kind of sheepishly prayed, went and sat down and was like, Good luck, Bill. And a year later, he tells a story. He was driving. He's from uh, the States. He's driving to Las Vegas to, to share at some service. And he said as he was driving there, he was just talking to God, like, God, what do you want to share? What do you want to do here tonight? And as he was getting closer, as he gets closer, he just felt the Lord say to him, you know the words you shared in Australia? He's like, oh, the ones that just bombed? He's like, yeah, share those tonight. He's like, God, they didn't work a year ago and you want me to try them tonight. Yeah. So he says, like, he just time schedule-wise, he happened to arrive just basically as worship was ending, so he kind of walks in, walks up on the platform, and he explains to the crowd, here's what I'm about to try. I believe God wants me to share these with you, but I got them a year ago, and they didn't work then. And so the first one, he calls out two names and a date, and it was this one couple and their anniversary. And then he just starts speaking over their lives, and he calls out a name to them. He's like, does this name mean anything to you? And there were pastors from a local church in the area, and they were like, yeah, that's our grandson's name. He was just born like two weeks ago. And so he began, he didn't say what he shared over the lives, but what he drew the conclusion, the, the connection to so quickly was God gave him this couple's name and date a year before. 
But not only that, their grandson was born like two weeks before this meeting. So mathematically, not even conceived. And Sean already had his name. I don't know about you, but just since chills through my body that God knew me before I was even in my mother's womb. He named me. He named me. So realize this. You pick the name of your kids, and God says, sure. Sure you did. Well, yeah, we just, we did it this way. This is how we decided on a name, and God goes, okay, sure you did. You were named by God. This is who you are. Interesting thing. Like I said, I'm very competitive. I don't like to lose. Chad means warrior. I'm pretty sure my mom didn't know that when she named me. She would have reconsidered it as a kid. <laughs> but there's a part of us that God names us. He knows us. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts I have towards you, says the Lord, thoughts to, of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. He's created us with a purpose. And that purpose is to share his love. 1 John 4 says this, And we have known and believed we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Love has been perfect among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has, been, has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loves us. Do you realize you love God because he first loved you? He loved you, he drew you in, and now if you are in a relationship with him, you love him because he first loved you. If someone says in verse 20, I love you, God, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. If you look through this room and there's somebody that you have unforgiveness towards, if there's somebody that you don't like, the word of God tells us that you can't love God and hate your brother. It doesn't work that way. We are loved. We must love. The only way we receive forgiveness is if we extend forgiveness. Maybe there's somebody in this room right now that you just quietly need to pray and say, Lord, I forgive them. I want to remind you, forgiveness does not restore trust. I can forgive you, and if you stole from me, I probably won't give you the keys to my house. There's wisdom. But it doesn't mean I don't forgive you. I forgive you. And we can move on, but it doesn't mean trust is restored. Trust has to be earned back. But forgiveness, forgiveness will hold us back. Forgiveness will hinder us. And so we can look through this room and forgive one another. Because the Bible says if we can't forgive those who we see, 
Or if we can't love those who we see, how can we love God who we don't see? John 13, 34 says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love, sorry, a new commandment I give you, that you have loved one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know you are my disciples if you love one another. If we love each other, we will show the world something different. And you can love others by knowing that you are loved, that you're not forgotten. There's many things that shift our thought process on this and the many things that challenge us. And just before I came up to speak, Damien came and saw me in the hallway and he just shared something with me. And I thought, you know what? This will wrap up my message so nicely. And so I'm going to ask Damien to come. And if you're new with us, 2 Corinthians talks about uh, the move of the Spirit, or sorry, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about gifts of the Spirit and words that come to other people to share in a public setting. And so Damien has a word, and I'm just going to invite him to come on up, and he's just going to share with us. Come on up, buddy. Thank God for the worship we had today. Um, I believe there was a lot happening in the spiritual realm, and what God was really showing me as I was sitting there was he took me through a journey where I started thinking of Joseph in the Bible and his journey and how he became a prisoner, but yet he succeeded in the end. Um, but I think the word that God really has, has and wants you to hear today is um, he spoke to me and says there's a confusion between location and position. And... Uh, most people usually confuse or become their location in life. And as we looked at Joseph, the reason why I brought up his name is we looked at his journey and saw his journey and how it transpired. We saw how he was put in a position and put in a location where he had no choice. But his position in life dictated him to do greater things in life. And I think if there's one thing that God wants you to hear out of this is that don't confuse your location in life. You might be in a place right now where you are down, you've been beat down, and um, you're trapped in between four walls, and you don't know what's, what, what's next. But God's saying, and I think everything that Pastor Chad's touched upon today, is encouraging us that your position is greater, and he's placed more in you that defines who you are and what your position is in life and how you will impact the community. The reason for that is because I believe where God has taken us as a community, as a, as a church, um, some of, many of us live in Stratford, many of us live outside of Stratford. We can, if, if we ask where you live, we'll hear of many different location, physical location. Um, but though we live, where we live is not really who we are. Right? But who we are is what's been positioned in us. So in your community, there is greater. It possesses greater. And it's because of who you are. So as we transition into, I believe, from a season of restoration into a season of multiplication and duplication, I believe greater things is going to happen once we understand that our position in life is greater than our location in life and who we are in life is based on our position and how we're going to really come to understand that is through 
tapping into our God and having him reveal that to us fully. God bless you. I hope that speaks to someone. Share that with someone. And as the thought came to me as I was sitting there, I, my phone went off and I was getting message from people from work asking, what church do you go to? It's the position. That's right. Thanks, man. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you that, Father, it's not where we're at, but it's who we're with. And so, Father, God, you have placed us in places, but, Father, the position that you've called us to, that, Father, we might work in a place and have a low position, but, God, you have called us to a high position. Lord, when we think of Joseph, when we think of him leading in Potiphar's house as a slave. And then we think of him leading as a prisoner in the prisons that, Father, people always saw your hand on his life. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room to come to the understanding of how much you love them, that, Father, you have not forgotten them, that you have placed them in places, Father God, and that you have a plan for them, and you have a plan to love them and to encourage them and a plan of hope. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray that every one of us in this room walk out with this new understanding, this new confidence that we are loved and that, Father God, you've spoken to every one of us and you've called us and you've designed us and you created us and you knew us before we were even born. And so, Lord God, I pray for just your power to flow through this place this morning. And so, Lord, I pray right now for anyone in this room that doesn't know you. And, Father, I just pray that right now, if you don't know the Lord, just repeat this prayer after me. Can everybody in the room just repeat after me? Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me, to call me into a relationship with you. This morning, Lord God, I confess that I have sinned and I need to get my life right with you. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to come into my life. Jesus, forgive me and help me to walk with you for the rest of my days. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 